for my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. You don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 365 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Halls Burkhardt. And I'm your host, Will Witten. That's right. We're officially at the point of episodes where you can listen to a Blue Harvest a day and never run out for a whole year. Oh, that would be cool. Let's, let's, let's not do that. Like, well, I maybe. love the old stuff. Maybe it might you guys be cringy, but it's... <laughs> That's you guys genuine. You know, get, get, throw a couple of downloads at your old pal Halls. Anyways... We're jacked up and we're excited this week because it's Star Wars season again. We finally got new Star Wars to talk about. And that is the first three episodes of Andor. A whole three episodes, mm. like a fourth of the whole series, dropped at once. It's real good, spoiler alert. Um, and while I don't know that, since it's such a long season and, <laughs> you know... I'm, I'm a busy guy. I don't know that we'll have guests every week, but there was a couple of guests that I was like, well, I mean, it's fucking Andor. There's a couple of folks we gotta have. And one of those is our guest this week. It's our buddy from the Jammed Transmission podcast. You've heard him on the show before through voicemail and stuff, but making his his first guest appearance, it's our buddy Rick Villanueva. Hey, hey, hey. How's it going? <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what? I'm just going to say this before you say anything else. I have been uh, anxiously waiting my uh, my debut on this show. Sending lots of voicemails, like you said. I've been listening to you guys for a long time, and I'm so happy to be here talking with both of you, super handsome fellas. Oh, dude, we're we, happy to have you. It was one of those things where, like, it was only a matter of time. I was like, of course, we're going to have Big Game Hunter Rick on. He's part of the <laughs> lore of the show. The worst picture ever taken of me. Rick is standing next to me, looking just like Cassie and Andor, for the record. And I look like a dead Sasquatch. Rick and Johnny, beautiful. <laughs> me, Tales from the Crypt. So, of course, we were going to have Rick on. There was really only one, like, the debut had to be for Cassian. Like I said, <clears throat> you know, word got around that I was real excited for Book of Boba Fett. There was two people specifically who I was like, well, 
I know the two most excited people in the world for Andor, Rick being one of them, and our guest next week being the other. So, thanks for coming on, buddy. So I'll be back next week is what you're saying. (laughs) Well, well, I don't know, man. Maybe if you want to come hang out, it may be a good time. I don't know. We're here every Thursday, me and Will, just doing the damn thing so we could go play some Fortnite. Yeah, man. Hey, listen. Uh, I've, I've once before, and I think it was our friend Steele said it, that the only the only bad thing, the only negative, if there is a negative to being on Blue Harvest, is that there is no new Blue Harvest for us to listen to, for me to listen to. Anyway. I mean, you could still listen to it. I mean, relive the good times, you know what I mean? That's I'm a not, cool way I'm, to look at it. I am a bit of a narcissist, but I'm not that narcissistic. No, nah, I can't. Buddy, the minute that gets posted, I don't look back. If, if like, because, of course, you know, I subscribe to my own shows on, like, my podcatcher or whatever. You know, throw the download or two. Uh, but if it start starts automatically playing while I'm in the car or something, it is gut-wrenching, dude. I got to get, I can't get it changed fast enough. I hate listening back. So I get it. But we got a lot to talk about. We got, like, a full-length Star Wars movie worth of Andor to talk about. So... I'm going to make this as quick as possible. Check us out at blueharvest.rocks. That's our website that our buddy Sean made for us. It's awesome. It's really good. It's got links to all our social media, Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram. Will and I have been randomly streaming a little Fortnite. If you keep your eyes open, you might catch us up to some shenanigans. Come hang out in the chat. It's a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll also find a link to our Patreon where you get access to our exclusive RSS feed. I have an immediate reaction to the first three episodes of Andor up there right now. Patreon.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. That's all the plugs. Let's talk about it. So, Rick, buddy, the first time I met you, you were impeccably cosplaying as Cassie and Andor. Safe to say, big fan of the character, really looking forward to this show. buddy rick are you there buddy yeah i'm sorry i dropped out for a sec oh that's okay so uh very excited for this show it's crazy to think that by the time we finally get to watch it it's been almost four years since they announced it it's been a long time coming i feel like was it a no it wasn't announced before the mandalorian right there was uh i think like starwars.com Diego Luna even like retweeted it. That was like November of 2018. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, and then I remember, you know, they had some more information about it at Chicago. Uh, Star Wars Celebration Chicago is where we got to meet Rick for the first time. And the yeah, I don't know what's going on. I dropped out. Sorry. No problem, buddy. It's all good. We'll work through it. So you're very excited for the show. I mean, you know, I brought it up before. Big Boba Fett guy. Obviously, you know, the first couple of episodes of Book of Boba Fett landed real well for me. What was the overall outcome of your satisfaction with Andor? This, uh, the first three episodes I thought were absolutely stellar. Like it exceeded expectations. And if I'm being honest, like I've learned to really temper expectations for everything Star Wars over the last maybe year or two. But kind of coming in with like 
like knowing what my blood pressure was before the show <laughs> came out. Oh, well, I get it that. It was kind of like, it was like, uh, it, it's weird because there's something about this show that almost kind of doesn't feel Star Wars, even though it 100% is. Mm-hmm. So there were there were times during while watching the first three episodes, where I was like, this is just good television. And then like snapping back into the realization of like, oh, no, this is really good Star Wars television. So um, there's something about it. Just it, it feels different, but familiar. And I'm loving it. Like, I can't I can't express enough how much I've loved these first three episodes. Yeah, I agree with that. I will tell you, I had the exact same feeling. I was so engrossed in the story and the quality of the story. You'll come across something Star Wars and you'll be like, oh, like a panel in the wall or like, like, oh, shit. Yeah, this is Star Wars. Like, I'm so wrapped up in the story and these characters. uh, But this is Star Wars. It's really impressive. Yeah, man. I uh, I think it is a refreshing sort of change of pace for Star Wars. And this is coming from someone who loves like full on Jedi and bounty hunters, Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, Star Wars. Right. I think that's great. We haven't really gotten to see a lot of variety in Disney Plus Star Wars yet, right? Because it's been so Mando focused. They they feel very similar. And then Obi-Wan was kind of like its own special <clears throat> thing, right? That felt right. like a really long Star Wars movie. This, however, like, I'm all in, dude. Like, I love the feel of it. It's beautiful. It looks expensive this show it does it, looks it really does. very expensive it's very cinematic and like i don't know i just like i think they nailed pretty much every aspect of it from the look of the show the score is really cool the performances are across the board strong <laughs> That is exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say each and every single one of these actors is killing it, yeah. killing it up there, leaving it all on the stage like that. Is, they are acting their asses off and it is good. You know, it is yeah. really good. It's really good. So I was very pleased uh, with it. I've watched it twice now. I'll be honest with you guys. The whole reason I watched it the second time is because the first time I didn't catch a single goddamn other character's name in the show i was like oh the the pretty (laughs) lady and the old lady and uh the guy that looks like gabe from the office space ben shapiro as i saw him referred to online (laughs) Um, so i had i had to go back and do my homework to try to get some locations and some character names down so i didn't come in here feeling sounding like a fucking phony baloney so yeah man I, i i it's really good i'll say this this is by no means a complaint. I actually think it was a really good idea for them to do three episodes. That three episode release really sort of solidified the beginning of the story, right? The beginning of the arc of this character. And I think if it was only one or two episodes, it would have felt a little like a little lacking. Not that them the episodes by themselves are not enjoyable they really are but there are some like sort of surprising cuts to me like where the episode ends but i can see exactly why they released it in a three episode arc that they did like it makes a lot of sense like all of that to stand on its own but man like the pacing of it i'm a big fan of yes uh, I, i just i think it's really good i'm really happy we've been getting in my opinion some really good star wars on disney plus and that makes it a lot easier to sort of 
wait out the whole cinematic thing. Because if I have shit like this to look forward to on Disney Plus, man, I can wait however long you guys need to to get another movie out. Because this is really good. I'm I'm glad I'm glad you said that because I put that in the context of having the three episodes come out on day one, or if they had done one episode mm-hmm. at a time, or you know two episodes and then you know wait for the next one. I think. Because I've I've heard a lot of people say the same thing. Like I'm glad they did three. It makes sense that they that they did three because it's kind of an arc, or it's kind of like one long pilot episode. But we're saying that from the perspective of having had three episodes. Exactly. If we had only if we had only gotten one or two, we probably would feel like those were good enough, or it was kind of a cliffhanger to be like, oh man, I can't wait to see what happens next. So like I'm just framing it as like I'm. I feel lucky that we got three. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I, I don't know if I needed three. My, my selfish star Wars fan is like, hell yeah, give me all 12 right now. But <laughs> there's that part of me that's like, from the perspective of we are, we already got three. So we know like, yeah, it's a complete arc, but we wouldn't have known that had we only got one or two. Right. Um, and it really does set the stage for the rest of the mm-hmm. story. That's about to happen. You know, this what is I, all, can we, uh, can we share a little secret time? I haven't told either of you this. So, I built a pretty a pretty powerful new PC, right? And part of the reason I did was because I want to work on some video editing stuff. Mm-hmm. So what I did was I, somehow, I don't know how, I'm a loyal subscriber to, to Disney Plus from day one. Just ask all my friends and family that use it. Shout out Steel, right? Like, I'm a loyal Disney subscriber, but somehow the first three episodes of Andor ended up on my hard drive. I don't know. I just woke up and it was like the fucking Santa Claus of illegally downloaded media showed up. And what I did was I cut out the end credits and put the three episodes together and watched it like a movie today for my second walk, watch through. And it was very good. It was really good. I'm glad I, that's really, that's really, uh, fortunate for you that they just ended up on your hard drive. I know, man. What are the chances? Man, the force works in mysterious ways. You know, maybe this year's turning around a little bit. Um, Force pirate Santa Claus. If they want to, you know, take a little look see and maybe deposit some early versions of the Mandalorian season three episodes on my hard drive while I'm not looking, go for it. I'm coming over. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So look, the thing about it is, I feel like this is going to be a little all over the place. So I'm just going to let it happen because there's a lot to take in. There's a lot to talk about. We got three episodes at once. I don't know that I'm looking to be like real hardcore in the parameters of, okay, let's only talk about the first episode. I think it's just better if we talk about all three like it is one big experience since that's the way we got to check it out, right? Um, Will, when you think of these three episodes and then we'll do Rick next, what's the first thing that pops into your head? Like what made the biggest impression on you from Andor? Um, honestly, the fact that he came from a planet where he can't trust anybody, there was some sort of disaster that killed all the, you know, Dude. So it seems like all the all the the adults. So the only thing left is children in the wilderness defending for themselves tribally. Like you can't even trust the ships that land; they try to kill you. You know. So uh, the, his backstory stuff on Canari very compelling, very compelling. Young Cassian kills it. 
like I think all the kids in that group do, but like he really nails it. Um, fucked up that it's the Republic, I thought, right? Like they say, yeah. Um, no, nah, man, they killed a Republic officer or whatever. They're going to come back and it's going to be a bloodbath. I was like, oh, interesting. The Republic, huh? Um, right. What about you, Rick? What stands out for you? First thing that pops into your head from these three episodes. Uh-oh. Did we did we lose Rick? Oh, no. All right, I'm going to pause. All right, we got Rick back. Little technical difficulties. It's all good. So, Rick, what was what would you say? First thing that pops into your head, like what's your first impression? First thing that stands out for you in these uh, opening three episodes of Andor? Man, it's it's hard to pick one thing, but it's probably like what the show feels like. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like. There's the experience of like seeing everything that's on the screen, but like just the tone of the show, the feel of the show is something that's completely different. It feels really heavy. And I don't want to say it feels like serious or mature or grown up or anything like that, but it feels like um, there's something very tangible about this show that feels different from some of the other shows. Yeah. There's something very looming about this show. And I talked about it when I did my reaction or, when I recorded last week on Jam Transmissions that some of the music that they had in the trailers for this and then for Mando season three had this weird kind of like echoey, like vocal, like a wind chime kind of a sound, but it, but it's voices mm-hmm. and something about it reminded me of some of the music that was in Akira mm-hmm. where it's I like right before, yeah. you know, like when they kind of like, like the melting away and the puppets with like the, the, I forget the character's names in Akira, but it's like, there's that, there's like this sing-songy like vocal tone that to me suggests like somebody's about to light the powder keg. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's something that's like right on the precipice of just blowing up in your face. And these first three episodes have that real heavy like it's winding up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Definitely. It there's... is like watching the fuse head toward the explosive the whole way. Yeah, yeah. And like I'll tell you this. I was immediately hooked in the – opening sequence because the city the music and that first bar he goes into um heavy mass effect vibes to me and i'm a big mass effect guy so um really hooked me in from the the get-go with that um i think the thing that got me about about that scene specifically if i can for just a sec like seeing like i don't know like for, when I break the shows down, like a lot of things are very thematic for me, but from like jump street, seeing him, like the symbolism of that scene to me was that it's dark. Everything is shrouded in darkness, mm-hmm. but there's light wherever Cassian is. You know what I mean? He's walking outside. There's like this row of lights. He's in that hallway and it's all blue light. And then he goes inside and he's lit, you know, by the bar or whatever. Right. And the same thing, same thing when he leaves. Like he's even like during the daytime when it's light out, he's got, um, he's got his hood up, you know, for some of the time. So it's like, it's this like mixture of him kind of skirting both sides of light and dark Mm -hmm. that it struck me right off the bat that there was something very morally ambiguous about where he's going to be at the beginning of the story. 
That's interesting. I had not thought about that. Yeah, and like, I don't know, man. Like, it was just... Talking about his moral ambiguity, he seemed real upset that he killed that guy. Right. Um, uh, and you know what? It was surprising. I When I watched it the second time, I was paying close attention. Like, he reared back and, like, basically... I don't, I guess, I thought he hit him in the bridge of the nose, but I guess maybe he hit him at the base of the nose. I don't know. And like pushed the nose into the brain and killed him. <laughs> but like he was dead. He's dead as shit. Well, so was it that or was it the fall? I don't know. Either way. I don't know, but dead. either way, the strike and the fall and then he was dead. Yep. That's why he was like, no, he's faking. I was like, yeah, he's faking. Tell him to get up. Man. No, he was dead. He was that straight part- up dead. That part was intense, and where it Super Mario and then was trying to get him to go to the go in to report it together, I was like, Mm-mm, "Yeah, ain't <laughs> shit about to get reported, my dude." I was about to say, "You know what I look like? I would have done the same thing." You know, mm-hmm. no, um, I'm a spy, no witnesses, and, and and crazy that like that incident. So like clearly he's looking for his sister. That's probably going to be you know a continuing theme of the series. But like the fact that that one happen chance uh, like happenstance moment sort of kicks off the story of the whole series as like yeah he ran into these two dudes they they were trying to fuck him shake him down and he gave him the old what for the watuzi you know what i mean mm-hmm. the old one two and next thing you know fucking gabe from the office is coming after him uh you know that other guy who is a complete dick don't know his name yet sergeant yeah. sergeant Sergeant Brass Nuts mm. or whatever that dude's name is. <laughs> his name is his name is Linus. Oh, perfect. Perfect. <laughs> he's like he's like Paul Blart Star Wars mall cop. Yeah, he is. Um I love it when he's like, What are we gonna do? Just stand here? And he's like, point taken. Like, let's find defensive positions. Like you are useless. You know who stands out to me. <laughs> And they continue to do it. They continue to nail the fucking droid game in new Star Wars is BTEMO or whatever. His droid, I love yeah, that guy. Like the, the scene where you get introduced to him and he's just going through town and like that dog starts taking a, a little poo-poo pee-pee on him. There's a little Phantom Menace humor right there, a little poo-poo pee-pee humor. Um, and he shocks the the hound or whatever. I thought that was great. Like his interactions with Cassian and how he wants to just hang out with Cassie. I love that little guy. The man. fact that he is old and has to buffer all the time. Yep. And charge all the lo- time because his battery sucks. I, I yeah. love I love that I love that it takes him extra energy to lie. Yeah. To and, lie. And yeah. then when Cassian's like, I need you to do this and this, and he goes, Oh, that's two lies. I'll have to recharge <laughs> when I get home or whatever. Like yeah. oh, I love that little guy. They're killing it in the droid game. They BB-8. really are. Super endearing. BB-8, Chopper, uh, CB-23, right, from Resistance. I like that droid. Mm-hmm. I could go without the uh, Professor Snape droid from Re- Rebels, but otherwise they've been pretty good. Um, do you think Do you think at some point whatever his personality is will end up in K2? That's uh, interesting. I hadn't thought about that. I hadn't thought about that either. Huh. Because at this point, he's like, he's real glitchy and stuff. So, yeah. you know, I mean, he is old. He's kind of beat up and stuff. But and there is he's got a sense. That with the solo movie. 
Yeah. And he's he's got a little bit of a he's got a personality. He's got a sense of humor. I like that scene where you're talking about where he's getting pissed on by that dog. Um, it's kind of like all the Ferrics, like as a whole, where like piss on me long enough and eventually I will fight back. Right. Like, you know what I mean? So. Man, uh, I got to say the planet design killer in this like in and just look i love tatooine we've been getting a lot of tatooine lately you know what i mean so like when um when obi-wan hit up the uh cyberpunk world now when with uh like the the planet that cassian lives on and the planet that he goes to when he commits the the unfortunate we won't even call it man it's not more murder it's man's well one was manslaughter one was murder. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he shot that fool in the face. I didn't say he wasn't justified. Murder, nonetheless. Kind of interesting how that sort of mirrors uh, Rogue One in a little way, right? Like you get introduced to him like often somebody who's in the way, right? <clears throat> interesting. I just thought about that. Now I'm the smartest boy in the world, right here. I like how the deputy, not the, but the captain, I like how the captain called it pretty much exactly what happened. Like, yeah, these two dudes that were where they shouldn't have been doing stuff they shouldn't have been doing, hassled somebody that was the wrong guy, and he gave it to him. Like, he called that dead on. That dude is in one damn scene in this show and nails it. Like, he's he's got, like, this monologue about reporting to the Empire about their crime mm -hmm. rates and shit. And like, just fucking nails it. That one guy, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? They really he's, want that. He's telling, body. he's telling, uh, Space Gabe, like, listen, man, we got it good here. I don't want the Empire stepping on our toes. Mm -hmm. We we don't want that smoke. No, we don't want the Empire yeah, smoke. Right? I like no. my job. Exactly. Well, Stormtroopers here. Yeah. Um. Uh. So. You know, another big element of the show are Cassian's, like, homies that he hangs out with on Ferrix. One of which, the first time I watched it, I was convinced the dude's name was Grosso. Like, Johnny Grosso. But it's Brasso <laughs> with a B. But it's real yeah. close. Um, I like that guy. Like, Cassian goes to him to, like, basically help him, like, shore up his alibi. And, you know, they go back and forth about the whole story of him getting drunk at his house and stuff. I really like that guy. That's a good dude. I love right? their got... gloves mm -hmm. and the way they're hung on the wall and how every found, you know, every worker has a different cool mm -hmm. ass set of gloves. That shit's a really neat element. I'll I'll say my man got the name Brasso cuz he got he got brass cojones. Yeah, that's what I want to be. Like that's yeah. what I would think, like to think like cuz listen, I know if I was in the Star Wars universe, I wouldn't be a Jedi or a bounty hunter. You know what I mean? I wouldn't even be the Jar Jar comic relief. I, but I would be all right with being the Brasso, the guy that's like, yeah, you killed a couple of assholes. I'll help you find the bodies. Let's hide them. I got a story for I you. See, he's a sta he's a stand-up dude, that guy. He sure is. Um, and I mean, then he basically iced the cadet in the in the the drop pod. Mm-hmm. Um, by anchoring it to the salvage. And yeah, that was cool. That was a cool scene. <laughs> that was real really cool. cool. Um, and then there's Bix and Tim. Yes, his name is Tim. 
Yeah. Tim with two M's. Tim. Two M's. You get because it's yep. Star Wars. You I can't thought just there be would Tim. be an H or a two I's or something. <laughs> it's two M's. Yeah. I, I saw you know. I saw somebody ask like since he's got two M's in his name is he a clone? <laughs> oh my god, that's funny. Original Tim probably just did the same thing. You know what I mean? Well, that, this the actor that played him was in uh, he was in the Force Awakens. He was one of the pilots at, on uh, on Star Killer. I saw that. I was like, oh wow, well, that's cool. I thought he so did. the I original mean, the original Tim survived and became a pilot, and Tim too. He got Tim he with did. Two M's. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He retired. I like this backstory. There's two Tims. That's like the the conspiracy theory that in a new hope there's small Luke and big Luke, and they're two different people. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Um man, I so I, I like both of them. I thought there's not you know, you can watch something, Star Wars or not, and there'd be like, you know, maybe there's not a character you jive with or don't think is particularly well executed. I can't think of one in this show. Um, so I also really like both of these characters. They just fucking run a shop. She's uh, getting bundles together to sell on the Rebellion Facebook marketplace. You know? Mm-hmm. I like she was uh, she was working on like um, pod racer engines. It looked like yeah, oh yeah, of course I love that. Um, and I also gotta take a quick aside to say Ferrix, the planet, really cool. You can tell they shot it in uh, the UK because there's a lot of sequel trilogy aliens and props in it because you know they just store that stuff. But I loved it regardless. Like the big guy with the metal arms, he's just like a background character. Um, but either way, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, well, what about the one big alien that uh, oh. that Andor walks? The one dude stops him. His name is like There's Nunchi or something. But, but yeah. the the big dude's name was like I think his name was Vetch, and he's like. You just told me to stand here. I like that dude. You, work that you, you bring up something like so. This this show is very serious, right? It's very serious. It's very it, like without sounding like you know too cornball fucking entertainment newsy. It does feel a little more mature, a little more serious than your regular Star Wars fare. But the humor that they work in, I feel like, was executed very well. That scene in particular. Incredibly necessary. Yeah, man. And, like, it's it's still because got that. Because the story is so heavy. Yeah. You know, like, you need those moments when your heroes are infiltrating a space station that's not a moon. And the 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 crazy brash one runs down a hall and there's 15 for, uh, stormtroopers at the end of the hall. You need that occasionally. Yeah. yeah. Um, Levity. Yeah, and I I feel like they did a really good job with that too. Um, so we talked about Bix. She that lady is attractive for the record. Hubba hubba! My goodness, well done, Star Wars. Good on you. Sheesh. Um, <laughs> and like, not for nothing. She's got big brass balls too. Yeah, That's what she's I think real badass hardest. too. When I say that, I mean the character as a whole. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not It's not just the looks that attract me to Tim I mean, you know, obviously, yeah, It's the attitude. Oh, boy. We need to steer this in another direction. Pronto. We stand, we stand that rebel queen. That's, all, that's all it is. We do. And yes, I, that scene where she 
went to the guy and she was, you know, she gave him some fake part and she went into the racks and like that whole process of contacting Stellan Skarsgård's character. Mm-hmm. Real cool. Real cool. Real cool. Stellan She's Skarsgård. way up there in that stack, right? Like that's yeah. way high up there. Yeah, man. Like just that little attention to detail and that like little scene right there of her, like the process she has to go through and like yeah, how secretive that. everything is. Like it's, it's, it's really, really cool. I like that element of it. Um, uh, I had a brain fart. Oh, Stellan Skarsgård's character. I think his name is Luthen. Did I say that correct? Luthien? Luthen. Luthen Rail. Luthen Rail. Real cool. The scene where he's on the train heading into town. Will, did that guy remind you of anybody the guy that was trying to talk to him on the train or that, was talking that to him? guy uh is well the, where i've seen him he he was in the witcher he played the guy that was the dragon no the i old mean man that was the dragon in the witcher does he remind you of anybody you have poten- potentially met in the real world irl oh richard burkhart is the answer that dude reminded oh, me of my dad <laughs> so much it yeah. made me so happy i was like that's richard Burkhart kind of like he even had the mustache and stuff. Yeah, it was real dad energy. He did have big dad energy. <laughs> he did. Shout out Richard Burkhart. Um, Protect your wallet. Don't stay at the hotel. It's a ripoff. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I like that guy. Um, I don't know, man. I'm just really impressed. I want to I want to bring up the the music of this show. Yes, please. It's like so much of this show, like sonically, like especially in the first episode, almost works in like the negative space. Mm-hmm. Like that first episode was it was really like um, it was a lot of uh, like industrial and almost kind of like retro wave kind of synthy sounds mm-hmm. that like you almost don't notice it. Cause it's a lot of like steady notes and things like that. But then by the time like you get into some of the more like emotional moments, like you really start to hear it. And then like the end of the second episode, like it took me out for just a half a second to hear like a guitar and like a drum kit. I dude, And that, but if, the dude on them drums was going ham baloney as my buddy will would yeah. say, um, that it stood just, out to me it, too. But it fit yeah, the scene. Dude. Like it was odd, but it fit the scene. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that it's part of the culture, you know, that they bang that hammer, you know, to change, I guess, change shifts or indicate time. But they also use, you know, when when they were sending the signal to the entire borough, mm-hmm. you know, uh, for of you know to resist. Basically, that was the resistance signal. Uh, that shit is really cool. That that dude. you know. And especially that that's where Cassian lives and that's where he learned, you know. That scene where very cool. Cassian's mom is sitting in the chair or is, a, you know, the lady that raised him or whatever, rescued him. Mm-hmm. When she is just, when she is talking shit to those two corporate sector dudes about that drumming and she's like, what you really got to worry about is when it stops. I was like, this shit is real good. I like yeah. this old lady. Yeah. I like this old lady right here. Mm-hmm. Mm. Makes, yeah, she's t- she's tough as nails, man. Makes me want to go drive around pulling down statues. 
You know what I'm saying? Get <laughs> I need. I should know her name because listen she to is some Rage Against Machine and burn something down. Um, yeah, it's real good. Uh, okay, so the Cassie and backstory stuff. Rick, we'll start with you on this one. What'd you think about that stuff? Like, I loved it. I mean, the the idea that it's a bunch of kids kind of off in the wilderness on um, Canary and there's like I'm looking at this two ways because it's like they're out there they've been you know they're doing their thing they're surviving but the official story is that there was some kind of a mining disaster Mm -hmm. and it's like is that what happened because the official story on Jetta was like you know something else happened it wasn't the Death Star you know so there's some shenanigans going on there but I that all of those scenes with all of the kids there, like I like that there were no subtitles. Exactly, really interesting for all choice. of their speech. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool because you, you you're just kind of getting the emotion of like he's like almost at the age where he can go out on these expeditions with all the other kids. Like the one girl that kind of chastises him for reaching for the ink or whatever, and um, he's kind of like lagging behind when they finally go out there. Like he's trying to prove himself and he's also trying to protect his sister. Right. Yeah. And the leader says, no, you're cool. And then he does the stripe on his chin, just like her. Mm -hmm. You know, he he really idolizes her, the leader. Yeah. You get, get so much out. You know what it does? Not having the subtitles really makes you pay attention to the performances and the body language and stuff. And it's really effective. You're right. You guys are right. Yeah. It's really effective. Um, so okay like you know i don't really know how to describe it but the the pacing of this show is definitely a little less frenetic than other star wars right i I, there's got to be a term for this i'm sure i'll think of it before the end but it's like slow it smolders i don't know um here so so in 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 all respect to our our good friend emily lind uh i (laughs) when i did my reaction i chose my words very carefully this show is very deliberately paced and it feels a lot like uh, like jumping into a novel. Mm-hmm. It's almost like it's like we read the prologue and the first chapter of a 400 page book because there's a lot of exposition and setup in this thing. Like it's not it's not those two words that I'm not going to say out of respect that a lot of people have been slow saying, burn. That's what I'm thinking. Slow God, burn. That's what it is. Oh, you son of a God. But the whole <laughs> thing about it is uh like I said, it's very deliberately paced. It's very intentional that it is this way because it's like you want to feel that tension. Mm-hmm. Like I said, this is this is the match that's lighting the fuse. And it's like somebody's just striking the match against the box. Like it's just, it's, you know, tense moment after tense moment after tense moment. Yeah, and uh, they pulled that, that vibe off really well, I thought. Like, and I'll be honest, it wasn't even that much of a surprise to me. Like, given the amount of episodes and given the type of show they've been sort of, you know, pitching this as almost since the beginning makes a lot of sense for it to be paced the way it is. But when it does kick off towards the end of that third episode, when like the raid goes down and like Cassian and Stellan Skarsgård and he's calling him Cassian Ander and, uh, those big engine blocks or whatever are dropping from the ceiling and they're mm-hmm. doing all the pew pew. That shit's really well done too. Really, really well I li- done. I, 
I like that there were differences in that scene. That was the scene that they showed ahead of um, the Rogue One screenings at uh, like on the IMAX a few weeks ago, and then they put on Disney Plus. But there was some uh, some cuts that they left out where you got to see kind of the uh, the corpos running around in their blue suits, um, kind of scrambling, and um, it like it it added more context to see kind of the other side of uh, what was going on there. Mm-hmm. You kind of get to see how badass the Skarsgård character is because, you know, he sets charges on his way out. You know, he is he is not sweating any of this shit. He is cool as a cucumber this entire time. Like he's teaching. Yeah, you're right. He's like a spy master. And by the way, I, I, I know Will and I have both talked about it a few times during trailer reactions to this and stuff, but his ship is cool as shit, dude. It really oh, is. Hell yeah. Man, that's a cool ship. I can't it wait is. to see some more of that thing. Um, Yeah, I thought that, you know, the action scenes as they were, really compelling, really well shot. But it definitely created this feeling of sort of like anxiety that you don't necessarily get all the time in Star Wars. And I think some of it's how it was shot and stuff, but man, rip Tim, buddy. Like, look, snitches get stitches. You see what happens, Tim? You could have lived a happy life he, with that pretty lady. I, I, I 100% agree with you, but his jealousy because of her. I mean, can can you blame him? No, she's really hot. No, I, I mean, totally you know, get it, Tim. But listen, Tim, if you play it cool, Cassian's out of the system. Let him get his money. Get out of the system then life is a highway. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, to to be fair, it's not, it's not easy looking like he does. Not that I would know. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So listen, I'm sure we've got a, we've got quite a few voicemails and emails and I'm sure we all know what they're going to be about. Probably Cassian. So do you guys mind if we transition over to that and continue the conversation on with a little guidance from some of our friends? Oh, let's do it. All right. Light it up. There's one thing we got to do first. We got to listen to our buddy, Steve D. Split chicks with his butt. Kitty Cockhead to stroke his cone and suck on his balls. Kitty Cockhead, what you gonna do when he comes on you now? He's a Jedi Council stooge, but he'll be pumping spooge tomorrow. Cockhead, Lou Herb, Cockhead, Harsberger, Cockhead, Will Win, Cockhead. Alrighty, there we go. That'll get your blood pumping. That's what I want to see in the episode of uh, Cassian right there. That's what I'm talking about. That's that's the real surprise. You know, the Baby Yoda level surprise coming down the road is that Kiati Mundi is alive and he started the rebellion. That, oh my goodness, that's who Luthien's going to take uh, Cassian to meet. 
And he's that was go. him playing the drums at the end of the second episode. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. All right. So first up, we got a voicemail <laughs> from our buddy, the king, the king of all Toms, King Tom Chansky. Here we go. Hey there, Hawes, Will, and Rick. Uh, so it's, you know, the day after Andor. Loved the show. Um, it, I, You know, you and I, Hawes, kind of talked about this, and you mentioned this on the Patreon show, that it's great to have this flavor of Star Wars, and it adds a lot to the franchise as a whole without taking away from anything else. It's just something new, and it's... It's great to have. And, you know, on, on the Patreon show, I, I, I wanted to let you know I was listening to it traveling back from vacation. I was on a plane. And first you mentioned that one guy being like Gabe from The Office. And then you started making the Elmer Fudd comparison for the other guy. And passengers, I was laughing and passengers were looking at me like there was something wrong with me. Um, but I, I really like the show and I'm, I'm loving listening and hearing everyone's reaction to it. My one... Um, question uh and i don't want to say this is an issue or a complaint but uh and of course i give the butt which means yeah what i said is invalid but i'm really trying not to so in rogue one uh cassian says i've been in this fight since i was six years old and he's a little you know in the flashbacks we're getting he's a little bit older than six so do you think that's just something we haven't gotten yet? Or is it going to be one of those from a certain point of view type of things? Or what? what is a good way to, to, to think about this? Because this is the type of thing that makes my mind grapes just... Uh, I dwell on it too much. And I, and I need some smart people like you guys to tell me, let it go. Just let it go. Uh, but also... On the subject of flashbacks, kind of, I guess, you know, like like Lost, do you think mm -hmm. we're going to get flashbacks related to different people? Um, like, you know, the, the first this first group of three or four episodes, they're going to be Cassian at flashbacks. Then we're going to get like Mon Mothma, Luthen, Tim. Oh, God, I hope not. Um, hey. Just some questions. Hey, anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for a great Take podcast. Take it easy on Tim. I'll talk with you later. Tim had a rough 2022, all right? Take it easy on Tim, all right? Uh, listen, I think it is, I don't know about you guys, but I think it is entirely possible that Cassian is six years old in those those flashbacks. And I'm just saying, he may look older, but I don't know, man. All the time they get older people to play younger than they, they actually are. Do you ever watch an episode of Saved by the Bell? Dustin Diamond, a nomine patri spiritu sancti, was 83 years old when he was playing Screech, all right? Like, and he was a teenager. He's supposed to be a teenager. I, I think it refers to possibly when his father or maybe his mother were hung. You know, Stellan Skarsgård refers to his father being hung in the square. And maybe that happened when he was at six. Like, maybe, maybe. his father was a whistleblower on the accident. Well, I think. And they didn't believe him, so they hung him, and then everybody died. And then no, it was just the kids left. I think it's referring to the guy that came in with Cassian's mom. That's who I think they talk are talking about uh, being hung. Okay. The guy yeah. that's with okay. her. Yeah. They're, because they're, I think their names in the, in the credits are like Marva and Clem. I think it's Clem and or. But to, to answer King Tom's question, the him saying that he was in the fight since he was six, I would have to think that that's when 
the Republic showed up on Ferrix and started mining when he was six and then took their parents to work in the mine and then all of the kids were left to fend for themselves. And then all their parents died in like a mustard gas accident or whatever that gas was. Because if you look at their clothes, a lot of their clothing um, on Canary looks like a lot of it looks too big. Like their shoes are like kind of cobbled together. You're right. Like they've been out, they've been out there for a while by themselves. So that's the explanation that I'm kind of leaning on. That they they've been out there for like six, seven years, kind of by themselves. Yeah, I agree. Well, and they had canteens and stuff too. Like those looked more like military issue canteens than like something some you know Lord of the Flies kids would put together. Yeah, um, so they they probably raided the mining facilities or some other ship mm-hmm. clerk, you know, crashed and they were able to get some supplies or something like that. All right, next up, we got a voicemail from Mr. 100 himself, Kobe. Hey, Oz and Will, it's your boy Kobe, a.k.a. Mr. 100. How's it hanging? Hopefully you're keeping that shit clean. Hopefully it's hanging clean. I know you, you are, though, so no, no need to worry. Um, I have a quick... I'm going to make it quick. I've been trying. This is like my sixth try. I want to keep it short. I know you guys will have a little bit busier of an inbox, so I'm going to try to keep it short. Um, Andor. Andor just came out last night. I haven't got to watch it yet. Um, it is. It's Wednesday when I'm recording this. Uh, so by the time that you hear this and by the time I hear you hear this, we'll both have watched it, I would assume. But what I have seen is some of the trailers. And in one of the trailers... There is a part where it looks they're walking past something and it looks appears to be Plo Koon's mask, right? And this really got me. Th- I thought that was so cool. I just got to put that out there. Plo Koon's one of my favorite overall characters, one of my favorite Jedi. Very, very cool. Love that. One of the things about it that um, kind of started an internal conversation with me, with my with myself, that I want to share with you guys and kind of get your thoughts on, is kind of the topic of like bringing characters back whether that be from the dead or characters we haven't seen from a while or putting characters in as, as cameos that you wouldn't really expect for plot twists that's kind of something that's happened a lot lately you look at darth maul you look at the emperor palpatine um they've done that quite a bit and i think it i think it is more or less successful within the fandom because people like to see that kind of stuff but as a, as a real hardcore Star Wars fan, right, not even hardcore, just as a Star Wars fan that, you know, cares about the, the lore and how stuff ties together and, you know, going beyond just a more, a more casual viewer, when you care about that kind of stuff like we do, um, you know, when Star Wars is your life, you, you run into this, I, at least I do, and you got to tell me if you feel the same, you run into this, this conundrum where it's like the inner child in me wants to see this fun stuff i want to see characters come back from the dead and i want to be like whoa surprised and and everything like that i I want that i really do there's also this part of me that's like is it going to make sense is it going to be grounded i i I separate it down to it's the it's the childlike kid-like wonder in me that's like oh yeah bring back darth maul bring back palpatine that'd be so badass but there's also the adult side of me that I've grown into in the last few years. That's like, it's got to make sense. It can't be goofy. It can't muddy up the lore too much. Like, and, and I just want to know, as two very positive, very like you guys have mostly everything good to say about Star Wars. Um, you're, you know, it's not like the other kind of piss baby, whiny boy attitude that we've gotten from the fandom in the last 
you know, last, it's been that way forever, I guess, but you guys are very positive and that's what gravitates me towards you guys and everything that you put out. But, um, how do you guys kind of tiptoe between that, um, that childlike wonder of like, Oh, that'd be so cool. And I'd love to see that. And also that adult side of you, it's like, is that going to make sense? Is that going to be goofy? Is it going to mess up the, the lore at all? How do you guys kind of tiptoe between that? Because cause you do. You do kind of have to – sometimes you have to shut off your brain and just enjoy it. And sometimes you have to kind of be like, okay, I need to be a little bit critical of this. How do you guys kind of tiptoe and and, and what what's your thought process on like what the stuff you like when they do that kind of stuff and what's the stuff you don't like and, and, and what decides that for you? Sorry if this went longer than I thought. This is the shortest I could get it so far. So as always, you guys are the best. Keep up the good work. We love the podcast. Hang in there, guys. You guys are the best. Peace out. Thank you, Kobe. So I think I have like a grasp on the question Kobe was asking. What do you guys think? Yeah, I get it. What about you, Rick? What do you think about Kobe's question? What's your answer? How do you approach sort of the balance between like for lack of a better term, fan service, I guess. And, you know, I don't know, stuff that isn't, I don't know. I think, uh, I think Kobe kind of almost answered it himself by saying, does it make sense? Because, I mean, I think, so I, I don't know, like he's saying like kind of that uh, growing into your adult self, the last maybe year or so of my own like personal fandom has been, not worrying so much about what's what's canon and like locking things down so that if things do kind of change a little bit or if something really outlandish does happen it's a little bit easier to accept it um but i mean it would be really hard to say like guess what next week tim with two m's is back he got shot in the chest but it was a through (laughs) and through and he's good to go so um there's some other you know some stuff like that that would be like kind of hard to kind of hard to swallow but yeah i mean there's some characters that you could probably i mean look at boba fett even if we had never gotten anything in the legend scope of like he survived the sarlacc pit it's plausible he could have come back so they brought him back and then we got you know the we got the book of boba fett afterwards so i think it kind of depends on um like tempering your own expectations for what you want and then like it like i said asking yourself does it really make sense yeah I don't know, man. You know what? I think, Kobe, you'll find yourself at a certain age, because I I don't know his name. Like, I've never seen his government ID, but I think he's, you know, maybe a little younger than the three of us. But I think you will find yourself at a certain age where, like, you're just along for the ride and there for the, the fun, you know? Like, if you don't dig it, water off your back. If you love it, then super engage with it, right? That's how I always approach Star Wars. Do I love absolutely every single piece of Star Wars content? By no means. At the end of the day, though, I'm kind of engaging with Star Wars in some way, even if it's something that's not my favorite element of it. So that, you know, goes a long way with me personally. Yeah, I, I, I hate to do this, but I... I just reframe the question, like, how do I dance around, you know, these elements within Star Wars? Like, I just leave it to Star Wars to dance around these elements. And each one does differently. Some lean more heavily into the mysticism. Some lean more heavily into, 
the science, you know, some lean more heavily into the story of character and development, you know, uh, uh, and it's Star Wars jobs and and their stories to dance around those lines. Like, I don't really have to. I just have to enjoy it. You know, I don't really, I don't really have to justify it in my mind. I'll tell you that personally, I enjoy the mystical stuff, but yeah. a lot of people don't. You know, that was a lot of, you know, part of a lot of the criticism about The Last Jedi was like, not enjoying the mystical kind of less questions, more amazingness. Like, you know, I don't need answers. Like I, I like the, the mystery and the mysticism and the, and the, 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 I don't know, the ancient mystery, the unknowing. I like the not knowing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, you know, I think everybody has elements of star Wars to them that are their favorite elements, you know, like I think, the only requirement to enjoying Star Wars is having something you like about Star Wars. And that need is yeah. probably going to be met in one way or the other, right? Like, But maybe not with every single element. Exactly. You know, because now we have so much. Yes. And the thing is, what we have is a gluttony of riches. You know, like, w- w- we have so much Star Wars that people can be picky. See, you know, there was like, a time when there wasn't enough to, to pick apart. To me, like, okay, the way I look at it is, now that we're starting to get some variety to it and not just with Andor, like even to the animated stuff, think about like, you know, going from clone wars to rebels, to resistance, to bad batch, to visions. There's a lot of variety in star Wars animation now. Right. And you can engage, engage with it however you want, whichever one speaks to you. Um, and then like the Mandalorian connected shows, Mando book of Boba Fett, they feel, and I mean this completely as a compliment, as like the best 90s dark horse comic book version of Star Wars you've ever read. Where Boba Fett is hanging out with another Mandalorian and Luke Skywalker shows up and there's a baby Yoda and, you know, all this stuff. It's a lot of fun and it's thrilling and I like the experience of watching that show and having those holy shit moments when Luke shows up or Ahsoka shows up or they mention Thrawn or, you know what I mean? But, yeah, and Rick is right. It's like he almost answered it himself. Like it's how about how tasteful and feasible the fan service is, right? Right. Like, but if that was the only, if that was the only flavor of Star Wars we ever got, that would even start to like, you know, feel a little tiresome. But now, uh-huh. now we've got things like Andor, which feels completely different. That isn't relying on a bunch of cameos or a bunch of surprise moments. It's just really solid storytelling writing acting you know production um that's very compelling um but if we we can talk about if we can talk about the variety of star wars i mean see i'm one of those like one of these knuckleheads that like i i take in everything like when a book comes out i'm reading it Mm -hmm. when comics come out i read them when shows happen i watch them like movies come out i'm there like i'm one of the guys that like i absorb all the content and the variety has been there. And I understand like for time, like it's not easy for a lot of people to keep up with everything that's coming out. But like specifically for Andor, since that's kind of the hot topic this week, some of the things that are in this show already exist in some of the more recent books, let's say oh, yeah. like sex and sex and swearing exist in Star Wars in in different, you know, however they want to write them to make them explicit, but not like over the top explicit. Like you, like you know that they're there. So like Star Wars becomes this tapestry 
where there's all of these different things and you have all of these different ways to take it in. Like I said, I know it's not easy for a lot of people to do that. I'm, I'm a glutton and I want, you know, I'm punching myself in the dick while I'm trying to do all of this stuff. Cause I got no time, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> careful, but it's still like, but when you say, well, Hey, I'm still keeping it clean. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. the whole thing, like when, when it comes to like your own expectations and wanting to approach things and say like, I want, Luke Skywalker to pull Star Destroyers out of the sky. You know what I mean? Guess what? There's a million YouTube like videos from one dude who's going to tell you all about that. That's there for him. But for the rest of us, when we look at things like, and I I almost hate using the word like who stress for like a little bit of realism in Star Wars. We ha- almost have to suspend our, our disbelief and realism from Star Wars because there's going to be some crazy fantastical stuff. Yeah. And there's always go there's always going to be stories somewhere in canon right now, especially or in Legends, that will give you that. And then there are other stories that will feel more more real and more tangible and more like relatable because it's just people doing a thing like the first couple of um, Rogue Squadron books where there's no force in it. You know what I mean? It's just pilots doing their thing. Or you can get a book where, you know, Yoda's, you know, blowing fart bubbles on Dagobah and calling him his, you know, his wishes or whatever the fuck he wants to do. <laughs> but the the different kinds of storytelling are there and the different things that you want to find from those stories per your own personal expectations and your tastes, you'll, you'll find what you want. You know, like I said, I'm the guy who's just going to pick up everything and find something to enjoy and just about everything that's there because I like the universe of Star Wars. I like the storytelling of Star Wars. So I'm not I'm not as picky, but I also know that it's not my story to tell, like you said, Will. Like my job is to just enter like be entertained. And mm-hmm. if it's something that I don't like, because like the Bad Batch didn't work for me. Like I have mm-hmm. issues with, with the show. It was fine. I don't hate mm-hmm. it, but I haven't gone back to revisit it. But you, I, what I don't do is complain about it. But I know when season two comes, it's an opportunity for me to really change my mind about what happened in season one. Well, there you go. Yeah. When it comes to Star Wars, I'm like, show me what you got. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, for the most part, yeah, I'm like, I like what you got. (laughs) All right. Next up, we got a voicemail from Intercontinental Tom. Intercontinental Tom. Yep. Let's hear what he has to say. Hey, you guys, it's Intercontinental Tom. Wow, it's been a while. Uh, listen listen to the sound of my voice. I, I am way overexcited. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. I, You know, actually going into Andor today, I actually started to wonder if maybe my um, expectations were a little bit too high. And I was just like, ah, come on, Tom. <sighs> you got to be a bit realistic about this. It is just a TV show. Um, and okay. I now realize that, like, my expectations were too low because this just absolutely blew my hair off. I loved the first three episodes of Andor. It was incredible i just thought it was so fresh so exciting like it was so different but still totally felt like star wars to me um i loved the characters i loved the performances i loved the design the cinematography the music was killer i 
even like uh, you know a lot of people have mentioned that it's had a, had a bit of a slower pace to it. I loved that as well. I really, I just felt like mm, I can just sit here and like stew in it. Absolutely fantastic, and the way that this um, these three episodes, I mean, what a what a good decision to put uh, those three out to kick it off because it just it flows so well from episode to episode and just like climaxes at the end of that third episode in such an awesome way. Uh, I, it's funny, like those, the, um, the trailers for this, each one absolutely like blew me away and got me super excited. And it's, um, man, apparently the, uh, they weren't lying. So, so, so awesome. This is like, yeah, for me, uh, one of those, like, definitely one of those peak Star Wars moments. Super excited. All right. Um, just because I haven't been uh, leaving voicemails recently doesn't mean I'm not listening every week. Um, always the best time. So thanks, guys. This is Intercontinental Tom. Ah, soon to be just back in normal Australia in Tom. <laughs> Sign it off. Oh, Intercontinental Tom, thank you for the voicemail. Always good to have one for me. Soon to be just uh, uh, Australian Tom. Tom, but Tom man, Down Under. Tom Down Under. <laughs> uh, he's super <laughs> excited. It's good to hear the excitement in his voice. Yeah, he had, like, when the show was first announced, I had that level of excitement. But then I, yeah. it was not that long afterwards. I was like, wait a minute. I mean, we're talking, what, three years ago when it was announced or something like that. I forget. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, uh, like I said, I, I've learned to temper expectations for the show. And I, fe- I felt that excitement watching it, like when I finally like hit play for the first time. But like the whole, like all the ramp up, the lead up to it was kind of like, no, I'm cool. While I'm like, I'm sweating internally <laughs> waiting for the yeah. show to come out. Yeah, yeah. I know that feeling. Dude, you know what I want to call out specifically? One little thing. The title sequence, really cool. Yes. Really cool. In both times, like the first two episodes when that came up, I was like, oh, what planet? Oh, it's the title. <clears throat> like, <laughs> it faked me out twice. All right. Well, Tom Tom, Tom brought up real quick the, the ending of episode three. Mm-hmm. And I we, have, we didn't talk about it yet. The way that was all intercut to show like, his Cassian's past and and present at the same time really good with Marva and like her tear and all of that stuff was like man that was like punch me right in the heart dude like that was that was some hardcore stuff it was really good yeah it was really you know pulling at some heartstrings uh my scary thought is like I'm scared that his sister is dead right so like the old his old lady his adopted mom drugged him and pulled him off the planet while she says you know anyone left here the republic is just gonna annihilate so like is this poor guy looking for his sister while she's dead and like i'm wondering i'm wondering if she's not part of the empire now because marva Marva and clem they say that they say that there's a republic ship coming and it's obviously that was during the time of the clone war so i'm wondering like if they scooped up like the republic scooped up all the kids and like indoctrinated them Oh, that so would now, make sense now she's though. on the other side. Yeah, that would be brutal. Oh. 
She has a name too. His sister has a name, by the way. Her name is uh, her name is Kiri. Kiri. There's a little Kiri. yeah. All right. Coming with the knowledge. All right. So next up, we got a voicemail from Utah. 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 Dougie. How's Will and Rick? How's it going? This is Dougie. Uh, I got to tune into a little bit of Fortnite. That was awesome. Watching you guys play a little bit. Uh, anyways, I'm going to check out Andor this weekend. I'll be hosting a watch party at my house. So I haven't In checked the dugout? It out but I did have another question. I think, um, you know, we're, we're missing a little bit with the Razor Crest being gone, and I, I do love Mando's new ship. However, do you think he will maybe um, upgrade to a larger ship? Maybe something that could dock with his current uh, Naboo cruiser? Uh, kind of like in Rebels we got with the Ghost and its little uh, ship that would dock. I think that would be an awesome upgrade. And I was wondering what you guys thought about that. How would you do it? What kind of ship would you have uh, as an upgrade or maybe like a part of a docking system for Mando? As you know, brings on maybe a crew, or I think he'll be solo mostly. But uh, anyways, what are your thoughts on that? Man, Peace. you know what my thoughts are. You talk, Dougie. Is that sounds like a killer uh, toy right there? You get the big ship, and then you have his Naboo starfighter that docks with it. Shit. I mean, I would use that ship from episode from uh, season one of The Mandalorian, right? Like. Doesn't he give that big, you know, mini star destroyer, the Corvette or whatever it is? Oh, to, um, I kind so Ocatan? I kind of wondered if he would be rolling around in that after you know we saw the end of season two for sure. But mm-hmm. obviously, they put him in. I do think that he will have something besides the Naboo starfighter because you can tell already in the trailers for season three, like the little bit of footage we've seen that like. They're finding ways around keeping Grogu in that little bubble separated from him. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. think I think he'll have both. It wouldn't surprise me if it is some kind of cool uh, bigger ship that he can park the uh, the Naboo spy- starfighter in. I I think that would be real cool. What if he went back down to Tatooine and picked up Cad Bane's Justifier after he died? Uh, see, that's the thing, though. Cad Bane's not dead. Yeah. Cat well, Bane's you know, after, after while, while he was sleeping, then he uh, he nah. swiped his ship from him. His little Seth Green buddy droid came out. He put a little, you know, back teen on that laser shot. Took him back to the ship, patched him all up, and that's who it's. That's gonna be the plot of uh, Book of Boba Fett season two. That's never gonna happen. <laughs> I'm here for it because Cat Cat Bane's my other dude, so yeah, he, he's one of my you, three mains. So. I'm I'm telling you, everybody wants to act like I'm in fucking crazy town, sugar baby, because I said that Cad Bane's alive. <laughs> they don't put that heart rate monitor sound on him for any other reason but to indicate that he's still alive. Remember, it's still I want bleeding. everybody to remember, right back to fucking November 2019. When I was telling everybody, hey, by the way, that's Boba Fett at the end of that episode. And people were like, no, you're silly. And I was like, no, why else would they do the uh, spur sounds and then that other sound? That's Boba Fett, right? I'm telling you guys, Cad Bane fans, don't cry. 
Cad Bane's still alive. The dude got part of his dome blown off, and now it's he's like all he's like the villain from Silent Night, Deadly Night Three, with that metal dome piece on his head. He's fine. Listen, you're 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 talking to like the number one dude. He's he's my Twitter handle. I know. For crying out loud, I mean, I want nothing more than to see more Cad Bane stories. But I did I did say this, and I but I was sending in voicemails to this very show saying that if he died to serve the story, I was going to be cool with it. But I, yes, of course I want more cause I'm a selfish, greedy bastard. So I want all the Cad Bane stories, but if he did, he did. Nah, I'm good with it. He ain't dead. I'm telling y'all right now. Just remember the next time he shows up and something and he's like, by the way, cowpoke, I ain't dead or whatever it is. He's going to say, you know what I mean? Just think back to your old pal halls. That guy ain't dead. Let's hear. Well, uh, if, if he if he can survive it, Tim can survive it. I don't know, man. Like big ups, Tim. You know, <laughs> uh, I get the struggle, Tim. You like I said though, snitches get stitches. You really fucking turned on your boy there. Real real scumbag behavior. I get it, <laughs> but listen, I think Cad Bane's made a tougher stuff than Tim. You know what I mean? Regular oh, ass Tim. One hundred percent. Like look. One hundred percent. Big ups, peace, and love to regular ass Tim. He's clearly got some game. You know what I mean? More game than me. Can't hate on the dude. Yeah, I think he's going to be affected by a laser bolt a little more seriously than Cad Bane. All right. Let's hear from Jim. Good evening, Haas and Will. Man, I loved Andor. What a good show. And I just, I think it's the number one thing that's being talked about probably is the guy in that red hat. In the, now I'm just kidding. I love that, my that old man with the red hat. I'd like to watch. I hope he comes back. But um, is the speed. And I love the speed. Um, I asked about this. I talked to you guys about this a couple, like a year ago or something. Do you think we can ever slow down? Closer to the New Hope style, and I think that they've done it perfectly. I think it's fantastic. But uh, I wanted to, you know, and Rise of Skywalker, something that I thought was interesting is, uh, you know, a lot of people give it a hard time because it's so fast-paced and breakneck speed. But um, part of the problem that I heard was that he had actually, J.J. Abrams had 14 months less time to make that movie than Ryan Johnson had to make less last jedi which is nuts and i mean the movie's based on a 16 hour period in star wars so it does it's 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 no excuse but i that's what i tell my my star wars brain but i just wanted to know what you guys thought do you do you think that other star wars uh is going to take from this and slow down or do you think that the word slow burn has been said on the internet so much that <laughs> hey there it is again a negative uh, vibe. I don't know. I just want to talk to you guys and tell you that I love it. <laughs> All right. Ignite the cream. Awesome, Jim. I'm glad you're so stoked on it. Listen, this is going to have... Everything has an effect on Star Wars. The critical reception to this has been really good so far. You know, I'm sure the viewership is going to be pretty strong. There's, I've already seen, and who knows? We We talk about it all the time. It's internet shit, so who knows how true it is. But I saw a story the other day that was talking about how they're looking to get Tony Gilroy maybe even a little more involved in Star Wars, maybe even for a movie or something down the road. I don't know how true it is, but 
clearly they're happy with the final product. So I think this coming out and being really well received will lead to more storytelling like this, right? You see that all the time in Star Wars. Mando was really well received. And what did they do? They were like, okay, we're going to make a bunch of other shows and tie it all together. You know, that guy Boba Fett, his own show, kind of. Um, so yes, I think this show will have an effect on future Star Wars, and it's great. The more variety of Star Wars, the better, right? It never feels old if there's always something new and exciting that's different to look forward to. Yeah. What do you think, Rick? I think, I think, um, for other things to come out like similarly paced, it has to serve whatever the subject of the story is. Like, I think doing like like if they decided to switch up the tone of like Mando or Boba Fett now because of this like I don't like that wouldn't serve the story correctly unless they're switching the overall tone of the show but real quick that Tony Gilroy thing about him doing other things that was retracted by the um oh was it see that's how that's how little I've been engaging on on online because you know, I didn't get to watch it when it came out. I had to wait until the next day, so I was staying off of social media, and then I was doing stuff today. So, yeah, I didn't even see that get retracted. Look at me spreading false news. Get Snopes on my case. I don't want that Snopes yeah, but like smoke. I, you know, yeah, you don't want that Snopes smoke. That's hard to say. But, <laughs> yeah, like I said, it, it's got it's got to serve the story. Like, if they want to do something that's, you know, more serious tonally like if they wanted like a good like deliberately paced story could be if they d- decide to do like an early palpatine story or something more dark side mm. would work well with a slower tor- like story but of course there'd have to be bursts of action and you know all the other stuff that goes along with whatever however you define star wars right but yeah i mean i feel like the pacing of this is pretty standard espionage you, you know uh, a secret agent thriller. Right? Well, this like is, people keep saying slow burn, right? But you're like, basically that is status quo. You're, what we're doing. Yeah, I mean, you're basically just like backing up, right? Exactly what Rick said. It serves this right. this type of story really well. But exactly. What the? I'm not saying you'll see, you know, a, a, a dozen other um, spy thrillers, but what you'll see is this overall attention to pacing to detail to quality and maybe a little bit more you know a little more grown up star wars you know for your 16 year olds instead of your 13 year olds you know what i mean i think you will see that as a result of this show and how well it's going to be still get hbo max level like game of thrones star wars don't want it don't want it to that end could you imagine could you imagine a story paced like this one that was all about the Gungans on Nebu? Oh my God. I'd show up every day. I'd quit <laughs> my job so I could watch it at two o'clock in the morning when it came out. Sign me That'd up. Be paced like a, like a Spanish soap opera. Can you imagine? Man. Oh man. Or an Ewok soap opera. That would oh. be cool. Like, you know, there's some drama that trees. goes down in that fucking them house trees. You know, they as be, the branches, those grow. little bull, those little bears be fucking each other <laughs> over all the time. All right. So we got, an, well, let's do, we got a couple of emails that we'll call it a night. First up, very special email is from my mom. My mom said, Hey, now you guys didn't call me mom. last week. 
I gotta make my appearance. So this is from uh, my mom. She says, hello, Halls and Will. This is Mama Burkhart. Just seeing how both of you are doing. On your last podcast, both of you sound a little bummed or were both of you were just very tired. Which one was it? I do have a few questions for both of you. That's the kind of question you can just call and ask, Mom. <laughs> That's the mom's question. <laughs> you know what's going on. 2022 is going on, Mom. All right, so she's got some questions for us. Uh, uh, she says, what is your number one favorite Star Wars character and why? I'll kick this one off. It's Boba Fett, and it's because he looks cool and because Tamora Morrison is cool and uh, Jeremy Bullock was cool and uh, he looks cool and I really like his design and he's my favorite. What about you, Rick? Absolute all-time favorite Star Wars character. Uh, it, it, it It's hard to pick one, but I, I got to talk about Cad Bane. Yep. And part of the reason, part of the reason why, something about the Duros species, it's one of those, you know, aliens that we see way back in A New Hope. And they look the closest to like what we think of when we think of like the, like the almond eyed, the grays, you know, kind of like, it's like state, like state. Yeah, exactly. So like, there's something about that to me, which is very intriguing. And then Corey Burton's voice mm-hmm. for Cad Bane just makes the whole character. So, and then I found out Corey Burton was voicing uh, Dooku in Tales of the Jedi. Oh, wow. So, and he sounds, yeah, I, I just found that out last week. That's cool. That cool. What about yeah. you, Will? Favorite Star Wars character all time? I I I had a couple seconds to think about it. I'm going to have to go with Qui-Gon Jinn. Choo. He is nice. um, the perfect combination for me, idyllically, of, uh, that I really respect of wisdom and rebellion like you know willing to stick by what he believes you know to be right to the point of you know a master but not on the jedi council right like i like that i like that a lot i respect that a lot the first one to figure out force ghost you know trained possibly the best you know jedi before the fall of the empire the be- most powerful, most just Jedi Obi Wan Kenobi before the you know the Empire fell. You know, one in which who a New Hope clung to. Uh, and then uh, she wants to know what is your number two and three Star Wars characters and why? For me, Obi Wan Kenobi and Luke Skywalker. Those are my two and three. Love a Jedi. Love a Jedi. Love a good guy. Obi Wan Kenobi. Loved him in the original trilogy, but what really made me love Obi-Wan was a, as a character is the prequels and the Clone Wars. Like, mm-hmm. that whole package, and now Obi-Wan the show, obviously. Right. Re- I, his, his lightsaber hilt is my absolute favorite. I love the character. Alec Guinness, uh, 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 Ewan McGregor, James Arnold Taylor, he of the dubious social media posts. Thanks for all you've done for Obi Wan. Get your act together, Jay Tamer. Uh Will, two and three yeah, for you. Two and three would be Obi Wan. Again, uh, Obi Wan had all the great wisdom when I was growing up. Wisdom that I tried to model, you know, some of myself afterward. You know, there are alternatives to fighting. Like, you know, all of his pearls of wisdom from A New Hope. Like, that's very helpful and very insightful philosophy. A uh, very wise Jedi. Number three would be Han Solo, the the rugged, rugged, sometimes assholeish scoundrel with the heart of gold. 
I like that. I like that a lot. That speaks to me. <laughs> Rick, two and three for you, buddy. Okay, so first I got to say I'm I'm excluding Luke from my list. Like, he would be there, but he's an all-timer for a lot of people. So, like, he's in the Hall of Fame, so he's kind of a given. But my two and three are Cassie and Andor for, number one, for representation. Like, seeing Diego Luna on screen, like, mm-hmm. not even... Physical appearances aside, like that's something I joke about, but I like I've said this a ton of times, like in the most humbling way, like I'm thank you for people who say things like like that. But like um, but what his character represents, especially in Rogue One, what I liked about his character in Rogue One is what we didn't what we didn't know about him. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the uh, the tip of the iceberg storytelling of who he was and how he got to that point was really intriguing to me. My number three, believe it or not, is one hundred percent Meaver Gascon. And I get people be like <sighs> I swear to God, people people are like, are you like, are you serious? And like, yeah, hell yeah, I'm serious. Everything about Mieber Gascon was understated, was unassumed. Everybody like literally like looked past him that he couldn't do the job. And he proved everybody wrong at every stretch and became a leader and a hero in moments where he was literally losing his mind in the desert in what is mine and George Lucas's favorite Clone Wars episode, uh, Sunny Day in the Void. Well, I, well done. All right. That was the most impassioned. You would have thought Rick was at in the, the last act of an episode of Law and Order, the way he made that case for Peter Gascon. Slow clap. You made wow. me care about something I do not care about. <laughs> that's, my, that's my dude, man. All right. <laughs> that's my then dude. she wants to know, what's your favorite Star Wars movie and why mine's Empire Strikes Back? I know. It's like saying, um, I don't know. I like breathing. I don't know. I enjoy, you know, the sun in my face. I don't know, man. It's my favorite. It introduces Boba Fett. It's got the bounty hunter scene. It's got the executor. It's got the Battle of Hoth. It's got Luke hanging out with Yoda on Dagobah. It's got Han getting frozen in carbonite. It's got the fucking uh, fight between Vader and Luke from the carbonite freezing chamber to the gantry. I even know it's called the gantry. The reveal is of Vader is Luke's father. Cloud City, Lando. Need I continue? I love Empire Strikes Back. It's my favorite. Rick, me, what about you? Same, same. Yeah. You? Same, uh, same. For me, it, it's like it's like a 1A and 1B, and it's Empire and Rogue One. For all the reasons you said, and for Rogue One, for also the same reasons. Like, there's a, there's that, a lot of stuff in Rogue man, One that uh, I just absolutely love. That, that last battle in Rogue One, in the space and on the ground, is... So fucking cool, man. The hammerhead Corvettes pushing the two Star Destroyers together. Like, mm-hmm. it's just... I, I said it after after we seen it in IMAX and posted the gif of the two Star Destroyers hitting each other. I'm like, this is sex. Like, <laughs> that's just like one of the hottest scenes in all of Star Wars. What are your number two and three Star Wars movies and why? So for, t- for me, two and three in no particular order would be The Last Jedi and would be Return of the Jedi. Uh, those are my three. Force Dude, Awakens. Get my out of four. my brain. Just get, Return get of the, the Jedi is just. It was my favorite Star Wars movie growing up as like a very mm-hmm. young kid when I was like five or six, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's the Jabba's throne room stuff. Obviously, the kick assness. That's the sail barge and skiff scene. You know, 
You get uh, the Ewoks, who I'm a fan of. You get the Scout Trooper, the Shuttle Tidarian. You get to see the Emperor, the Imperial Royal Guard. The Death Star 2 is fucking amazing. That design is so fucking cool. The half-built Death Star. Admiral Akbar, Mon Mothma, shout out. Many Bothans died to bring us this information. She told us about it. Love. Love, love, love. Return of the Jedi. Luke's outfit and his green lightsaber were also pretty ballin'. And it's got one of my all-time favorite Star Wars line. Uh, I'm a Jedi like my father before me. Uh, in The Last Jedi, Will and I have talked about it a shit ton of times, why we enjoy it. I just really like it. I really like it. I consider it to be really good Star Wars. The mo the 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 I will not be the last Jedi speech that Mark Hamill gives at the end of that movie is some of his best acting in Star Wars. Period. Mark Hamill, as unpleased as he may have been at moments with that movie, delivers a stellar fucking performance. In I was about to say, yeah. As yeah. upset as Mark Hamill may have been about those choices, he was the linchpin of that whole movie. And then like, like it, the throne it, room fight, the killing of Snoke. Ray, awesome. I just, I dig it. I dig it. The starting point, the end, the hopeful end of where it was about to go. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it was magical. What about you, Rick? What are your two and threes? Um, both of the Ewoks movies. Fuck yeah. No, I'm playing. Um, <laughs> no, my, my two and three are uh, Return of the Jedi for, like, there's a lot of personal reasons for Return of the Jedi. My dad passed away a few months after Return of the Jedi oh. came out. I remember seeing it in the theater with him. So like the whole like unmasking of Vader and everything, what it's like strangely therapeutic to like witness that redemption and then like the chance to say goodbye, which I didn't get. Um not wow. to I'm not trying to drag things out, but like it's very personal. And my number three, um, man, it's a toss up. And for different reasons between I think uh, the Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. Like, I think, like, the memories that I have of seeing The Force Awakens with Man, my son. So good, And right? how he <laughs> felt about the movie, because that was mm -hmm. his first, like, new Star Wars movie in the theater. He was almost six when Force Awakens came out. And, like, just real quick, like, one moment for him, like, when the movie started and it's just, the, like, the bang, like, the horn blast and the, the words on the screen and then the crawl was coming up. I turned and I looked at him while he was, and he was just reading words on the screen and he was just enthralled by what was happening. He was so excited just because there were words on a screen. That's the power of star Wars. Um, and for like the last Jedi, for all the same reasons that you said, it's kind of like a three a and three B. Um, it's, it's a really cool movie stylistically. I think it's, it's fantastic. It is paced well. Ryan Johnson did something really special putting um, the last Jedi together. Yeah, man. Some good star Wars. So thanks for sending in an email, Mom. Listen, I know, but a quick update for the listeners. My mom, last week I was talking about how she watched all the Hobbit movies. Well, she finished the Lord of the Rings trilogy this week and is going to be moving on to Rings of Power next. Uh, my mom is full-on Lord of the Rings right now, but I want her to watch Andor because I am fascinated to see what she thinks of Andor. Um, but um, I bet she really likes it I bet she does too so listen guys we've got a couple more emails tonight's running a little long I gotta work in the morning so Justin and Tyler specifically buddy we didn't miss you we'll get you next week 
you know these go a little longer when we got the guests and the exciting Star Wars shit to talk about. But we appreciate you. Be like uh, Justin and Tyler and send in a voicemail. Blueharvestpodcast.gmail.com. Do the week after. And then what you should go do now, you've heard his episode here, go download some jam transmissions and check out our buddy Rick. Tell us where we can find you for all of that, buddy. Uh, I'm in all the cool places where podcasts exists, which is like on the internet and stuff. Um, but you can find me. You you can find me personally uh, on Twitter at Cadbane's Bounty, and uh, please give this show a follow at JT Comlink. And uh, if you guys have any thoughts or questions that uh, maybe pertain to something you heard me say here, and you want to send it to Jam Transmissions, um, the email there is uh, Comlink at uh, JamTransmissions.com. Hey, listen, all right. You know how I'm always up, you guys, uh, uh, up, up you guys' butt to leave us a review on iTunes. Don't do that this week. Go drop a review for our buddy Rick on his podcast, Jam's Trans- Jam Transmissions. Show him the power of Blue Harvest, huh? Huh? Help our buddy out. Go drop him United a five star. United as one. Right. A focused sword of five star reviews upon Jam Transmissions. All right. That would be awesome. <laughs> so also, <laughs> hey, if you like uh, if you like our theme song, please check out the band that was kind enough to provide their music. They're Stoned Cobra, and you can find them on iTunes, Spotify, and at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com. Check out mine. <laughs> check out mine and Steve's video game podcast, High Potion. It's loosey goosey. It's a good time. Uh, and until next week. When we have another special guest lined up to talk about episode four of Cassian, this has been Blue Harvest, and I'm Halls Burkhart. And I'm Will Whitten. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with all of you. May the Force be with us.